land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. children can run free so take my hand and walk this land with me and walk Good evening and welcome to Hiyadayo. I'm here with uh, Kirk and with uh, Dee this evening. And, and uh, I want to begin this uh, this evening by uh, um, talking a little bit more about a bombshell that uh, I shared uh, with uh, everyone uh, last week. Uh, and I also want to make a correction on something I said three weeks ago. Uh, three weeks ago, I made a comment that uh, I was translating uh, Ezekiel and cherry picking what I thought I could present positively because, well, quite frankly, it takes big cojones to, uh, to say that a book that is found within the Bible uh, is uh, inspired by Satan as opposed to Yahweh. You don't say that unless you are absolutely certain, absolutely certain you're right, unless you have a death wish. So it's, uh, it takes a lot to come to that place. And there was a passage where, uh, where in Ezekiel, it stated that uh, if uh, somebody is religious and you don't go out of your way to warn them and they end up dying uh, because of the religiosity, that uh, God is going to hold the person that knows better accountable. And, of course, that ran, runs against everything that we have heard and, and been told. And so when I shared what I had uh, read uh, and translated, I actually got a number of letters and said, you know, that's so contrary to what we've, we, we've, we've kind of grown to understand. How can that be true? And... Uh, um, the reason it's uh, it's contrary is because it's not true. We're we're not held accountable. I think we have a responsibility as family members to prepare ourselves to answer the questions and to lead people in the right direction who are open to that leading. I was offered uh, uh, by one of my very uh, best friends, somebody who has done such an enormous been uh, such an enormous benefit to to uh, Yahweh and to the message of Yada Yahweh 
to debate a Christian that says, you know, I've never ever lost a debate, and he's a fundamentalist Pauline advocating uh, Christian, cross-touting, you know, touting uh, Christian. And uh, and my response was uh, that I don't care if he has a million audience, and I don't care if one person in that audience uh, might uh, listen and become a covenant. Uh, I can't imagine Yahweh saying that, uh, that I'm going to go into a church uh, because there's maybe one person in the million in that church that might uh, listen to what I have to say. It is inconsistent with his nature. Uh, Yahweh's nature is if you first start questioning your religion and politics and show a definite willingness to walk away from them and actually begin that process, at that point uh, he will engage and uh, begin to offer a relationship. Uh, and so I think the same thing is true as it relates to why that passage in Ezekiel was wrong. It's not our job to go after them. You know, if you look at uh, even Yosha's uh, life, um, he was he was an introvert. Uh, by you know, I don't know what percentage of what we read is uh, is accurate, but there's not a lot of reasons to make up uh, some of the earlier encounters. And what you read is is that of an introvert. When people were to uh, crowd around, uh, he would. Uh, try to make his way out of Dodge. And I actually think yeah, I was an introvert. I, I don't think that he is energized by large crowds. I think he is far happier with a few being around a few family members than he is being around a, a, a large crowd of people, uh, uh, which would be consistent with, uh, with there is no religious path to God. Um, he is never going to be popular and doesn't want to be popular. He wants to be uh, uncommon, set apart from what is popular. So anyway, I, I was wrong, and I need to correct the other uh, record uh, on that. Uh, second is that I did a bit of a belly aching talking about how it really isn't pleasant uh, translating Ezekiel because it's I mean, every statement in it is wrong. Every statement is is Satan trying to uh, to um, claim that he is Yahweh and wow. that his his single-minded agenda is to kill every Jew. Uh, in fact, mm. I wrote one paragraph. I'm only through the 16th chapter, I think, of uh, Daniel in terms of translating. And, uh, and the Lord of Babylon has, uh, has promised to kill 14 thirds of Jews. Now, there aren't 14 thirds. Three thirds which would be every one, but 14 thirds. Right. And, and it's sickening. And he wants to boil them alive. He wants to burn them alive. He wants to plague them. He wants to personally swing the sword to slice them into pieces. He wants to uh, sprinkle charcoal on them. And he is more demented than uh, Allah in the Quran. Uh, and, you know, you'd say, okay, that's depressing, and I'd really like to get to something that's uplifting, but, but I want to say I was wrong again. Um, I've had a wonderful um, second portion of my life. Um, 21 years ago when Yahweh uh, introduced himself and said, I want you to do this, and, and we began this project, it has been the most wonderful, rewarding, exciting, beneficial uh, thing that a, a human being could ever experience. It's one of the greatest 
opportunities ever. And um, to think that it began in the dirtiest place uh, that exists in humanity, Islam. There's nothing more revolting, nothing more satanic than Islam. And that it's, we spent three years uh, destroying the credibility of Islam, writing Prophet of Doom, Tea with Terrorists, doing 5,000 radio shows on it, m- multiple debates. Uh, then that was followed uh, by um, writing now four volumes, um, exposing and condemning Paul, completely destroying the credibility of the Christian religion. I mean, so that it I mean, has nothing left of it. Uh, and, you know, Paul's pretty disgusting. He's a horrible writer. He's a horrible person. Everything is a contradiction. And it is twisted to present Satan's viewpoint. So it's the most popular religion in the world, and Islam is the second most popular. And, and uh, I've put my life on the line, exposing and condemning both. And so I was certainly prepared for Ezekiel, but uh, Ezekiel's a different kettle of fish because we find Ezekiel right between the other prophets that are credible. And it's written in Hebrew, and it's got Yahweh's name, and nothing in it is right. Everything in it is wrong. Uh, and so what I, I did the last two shows is I, I, um, I just shared that, you know, if I seem a little shrill, if I seem uh, uh, a little uh, edgy, you know, please have some understanding that I'm immersed in a really nasty uh, battle with the devil and uh, translating uh, Ezekiel and commenting on it. Um, But somewhere along the way, um, maybe by the time we get to the 16th chapter and he's saying, you know, you're, you are a descendants of uh, of the Canaanites and your mother and father are, are Amorites and Hittites. And, and so I did a, you know, a history of, uh, of Ur, and, uh, the Hittite civilization, the Amorite civilization. Uh, uh, and, you know, not only is the story the opposite of the Torah, uh, where in the Torah, uh, uh, Sarah and Abraham uh, came from Ur. Ur was the, uh, the capital of uh, Sumer. Sumer is the mother, really, of all civilizations. It's uh, the... Babylonian and the Assyrian civilizations that grew up in that uh, part of the world all stood on the shoulders of, the, of, of Sumer. It was the most advanced civilization in the world at the time. It's the civilization that invented uh, the six-base counting system, a ten-base counting system, uh, the, uh, uh, the system we use for direction in terms of a compass, the system we use for time in terms of the, uh, the 12 and, and 24 hour uh, uh, time. I invented uh, most of mathematics as we understand it. Uh, it was the first country to uh, institutionalize also uh, religion uh, and integrate it with politics. And they were disgusting. They had child sacrifice and all, all manner of things that the nature of civilization. But that's where they came from. It's a very well-known place. And, uh, and same family, uh, uh, but it's, Yahweh makes it very clear to where they come from. And Yahweh was leading them once they decided to leave that place, uh, the, the cradle of civilization, if you will, and, uh, and were walking away from us where Yahweh introduced himself to them. And he then led them uh, to the promised uh, land where, where 
uh, where he said, I'm going to give you this land. So rather than their ancestors coming from uh, Canaan and from them being from Canaan, uh, it's exactly the opposite. And the uh, Hittite civilization uh, would not even exist until about 400 years after Abraham and Sarah had lived their lives and died. So Sarah and, uh, and Abraham cannot be descendants of the Hittites because the Hittite civilization didn't even exist at that point. And the Amorites at the time of, uh, of, of Abraham's uh, birth uh, were uh, sheep herders and the, uh, uh, along the Mediterranean coast of uh, Syria. At that point, they did not have a civilization. Uh, the only thing is really known of them, apart from what uh, Yahweh has to say through his prophets, is that uh, the Amorites, um, as, as sheep herders, uh, had to migrate, and some migrated to Egypt, some migrated into Mesopotamia, where the two rivers would pr produce water during what was a uh, terrible drought uh, worldwide. And during that drought, a few of them migrated to Mesopotamia, others into Egypt. And uh, while in Mesopotamia, they arrived about 100 years uh, after Abraham's birth, by the way, 100 years after his birth. Uh, but um, it, subsequently, there was a civil war uh, among, amongst the city-states that comprised Sumer at the same time that they were, they were trying to bludgeon one of their neighbors, uh, Edom, I think, was the neighbor, uh, to uh, garner slaves. And while they were, were warring with the Edomites to get slaves and having the civil war at home, the Edomites turned the tables on them and conquered Ur. And they left the garrison there for about 20 years where they were in charge of Ur. And then they did the cost-benefit analysis and said, you know, this is really not worth it. Uh, we're just going to pull back out and go back home. And while they went home, the Amorites that were there that were simply sheep herders, they did not know how to farm. They, they had never lived in a, in a city. They never lived as part of a civilization. They were really all that was there. And there were enough uh, Sumerians um, alive and around that they taught them how to farm. And that for uh, a, a period of time, 200, 300 years after Abraham and Sarah, uh, they... Uh, uh, they had influence in that region as farmers, and that all ended when Hammurabi uh, uh, conquered the entire region, and we have uh, first Babylon. Uh, so it's physically and historically impossible that the claim that is made in, uh, you know, your mother is a, uh, a, uh, a Hittite and your, your father is, a, uh, is an Amorite or which, whichever way it goes, and your descendants, uh, you are descendants of uh, Canaan. Uh, it's not only contradictory of the Torah, which means it's untrue, but it is, it's historically impossible. So you read that kind of thing, and you recognize that, that this is so belligerent in the attempt for Satan to do what Yashaya, Yashaya in the 14th chapter, uh, makes it very clear that Satan will try to rise above uh, Yahweh and be worshipped as if he were a god, and he will do so from Babylon. So when you're reading Daniel and you're reading Ezekiel, what you're reading is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Uh, and by being able to be the first person in 2,500 years, able to expose it for what it is, 
uh, is actually a um, a very unique kind of a situation for someone like myself. I I feel like with you know the the seven spirits that Yahweh has promised and with all the support and all that He has said, you know He does 99% of the work and He wants to give me 99% of the credit. And yeah, okay, it's. <laughs> Okay, you know, it's uh, that's well, and, and I have a great time doing it. This is really the first time, well, since Prophet of Doom and, uh, and, uh, and Questioning Paul, that I have an opportunity to do something that is really pleasing for Yahweh. For 2,500 years, he's lived with his people, with Christians and Muslims, uh, treating Ezekiel as if it were inspired by God and besmirching his name. And what a thrill it is to be able to defend our Father in this way. So I've just I've just changed my tune on it, and um, I'm actually uh, I apologize for belly aching and it makes me in a bad mood uh, because understandable. For the first time, I really see, wow, I, I'm being trusted enough to do something that no one was willing to do for 2,500 years, and in the process, I'm. Uh, doing something that is important to clear Yahweh's good name from the muck that was smeared on it by the false prophet um, Ezekiel. And really, yeah. Daniel. Without Daniel and Ezekiel, there is no Christianity. There is no Zohar, so there's no Kabbalah. Kabbalah disappears. Christianity disappears. And <clears throat> Ezekiel is, is probably the most quoted book in the Quran. They make a big deal out of the Gog and Magog War. And this means there is no Gog and Magog war. Uh, it means there is no blueprint for a new temple that differs from the old one. It means that, that all seven Moed and McRae are going to be celebrated. Uh, not, we're not going down to four. And there's not going to be any new moon festivals or, or a holiday, an annual holiday based upon the Shabbat. Uh, so it, it clears up a lot. All right. That's my second long-winded thing for the evening. They do have a, a third that maybe I can make a little bit briefer. Uh, okay. For seven years now, um, the the team that supports this effort at Yahweh, and we have many that uh, devote enormous amount of their lives uh, and waking hours to advancing uh, Yahweh's mission as uh, as part of the uh, the covenant family. They have been dealing with a person who is very disgruntled. This person was in a relationship with somebody that that I do not know personally, although I've probably read 10 emails from him, and every email I have run from, read from him, he has been contributing to the family. He was polite. He was rational. He was professional in his communication. He's just as nice as he could possibly be. Didn't say anything negative about anybody. Uh, I don't know if he was married to or dating, uh, but... There was a relationship with someone who really hates him now and has yeah. spent five to seven years uh, attacking him. Uh, and it's really gotten old because now this person is condemning me and the value of, uh, of the Yada Yawa uh, sites and family and books and programs uh, because the, the basic argument is, if you're not willing to stand up for me against this horrible person, then you're a horrible person. In other words, if you don't hate who I hate, then I hate you. And I'm going to make you pay a price if you don't hate who I hate, uh, which is the basic argument. I have received probably 10 emails from this person 
and they were all borderline insane, mean-spirited rants. Uh, you couldn't even read them without just saying, oh, okay, I've had enough of this. Frankly, I do not understand why somebody who was in a, let's say it was a bad relationship, um, why five years later, seven years later, you're still trying to relive it. Move on with your life. Uh, I mean, I know that those people I trust the most and have had the longest, closest relationship to in bringing you these books and this program and this outreach um, have regular communication with the gentleman. Uh, I believe his name is Hindro. Uh, and they all like him. Uh, regular communications with him, all very supportive of the covenant, all exceedingly polite, a genuinely nice man. I have no idea what he was like when he was dating this woman. I, I, I wasn't there. I don't have any influence on him. Even if I was there, I have no influence on him. I couldn't do anything anyway. But one of the things I do care about is when somebody starts writing, people who become known because they're visiting the social media outreach or that they are part of the community and is trying to besmirch and discredit this effort because we don't hate who she hates. And she's wearing down the people that are so active in supporting this mission then I have to warn people not to listen to her. So if you get an email from a person named Angie, please just discard it. Now, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about relationships in general as Yahweh uh, lays them out. Uh, there is no marriage contract in the Torah. There are no marriage vows in the Torah. This idea that you're making an eternal promise before God uh, to marry somebody for better or for worse Till death do us part, that's uh, Christian mumbo-jumbo. does not exist in the Torah. Uh, the people that are the most well-known in the Torah had multiple wives. Uh, it, uh, there's probably yeah. women that had multiple husbands, but it's, it's just so uncommon in the ancient world that uh, women would, because, uh, you know, quite frankly, until fairly recently... Uh, women have never had equal rights to men. And like in ancient Greece, the country that we have this fixation on how wonderful it was, women were trash. They had absolutely no rights. Oh, yeah. They could seldom leave the, uh, the home. A husband could kill her without uh, any consequence. Uh, they, they were less valued than uh, domesticated animals. Do you know, there's another thing, too, about Greece. We think of the model for democracy. Do you know that in, in, in Greek cities during the heyday, 80% of the populations were slaves. 80%. Mm -hmm. these, these are despicable situations. But anyway, women had uh, no rights. So uh, the, the only place that doesn't degrade women at all is the Torah. Yep. Yep. Uh, women are not degraded at all, but it, it is, but it also reports life as it was. So it talks about the fact that there are men who were in powerful positions, who had the wherewithal to support many women who chose to do so. Personally, it's not for me. I'm, you know, if you were to give me uh, Doe's eight wives and uh, ten concubines, I'd say, no, I'm going to keep the one I have, and I'm quite content. And I, I, I would not want that. That does not appeal to me. Uh, it, it, too much energy, too much distraction, too much commotion <clears throat> does not appeal to me. 
the fact yeah. that it may appeal to somebody else, I'm not going to criticize that because Yawa did not say a thing about uh, uh, Dode having multiple wives. The only one he said is, I really don't like what you did uh, with Bathsheba. I think that you sending a fine man into battle thinking he might die so that you could take his, uh, his wife was a rotten thing to do, and, and, uh, and God held it against him. But he didn't held it against him. He had seven wives before that. He never said a, a negative about having ten concubines. Uh, it just isn't monogamy was never something that he, he spoke about. So, um, well, I know many women have this very strong commitment to loyalty and men, and this idealized view of, uh, of men and a relationship and what they should behave like, it just, I mean, my mission is to tell you what the Torah says and what Yahweh uh, says. It is not something that uh, he advocates. He advocates exclusivity and monogamy and our relationship with him. No false gods. Right. But he does not advocate, nor does he declare that we have to be monogamous and our personal or sexual relationships. Uh, and quite frankly, the two statements that are in the Torah regarding homosexuality are not actually about homosexuality. It's about uh, not treating somebody who you have the ability to control uh, inappropriately, because it was a common practice in war for the victor to sodomize the, uh, the surviving soldiers to degrade them uh, of the enemy. And Yahweh said, just don't do that. That's, that's an inappropriate thing to do. He rates that with the bestiality. But he actually says nothing about homosexuality. Um, so, and he certainly says nothing about bisexuality. Um, so it, it's just these things that we get all caught up in aren't Torah. There is no marriage ceremony. You're married when you act married. When you decide that you're going to live together and raise a family, then, then you're husband and wife. When you decide that this person isn't somebody I want to be with, Angie, with Hendro, you don't want to be with them. Write them a letter. Tell them, not tell everybody else. I don't want to be with you anymore for these reasons. And then walk away. Leave them alone and walk away. I know a lot of people that got caught up in that Christian cultural thing that you can't do that, but that's Torah. God does not want you to be unhappy in your earthly relationship. If the relationship is not working for you, just walk away from it. Yep. So that's the story. And when it says don't commit adultery, he's not talking about uh, relationships between men and women in a certifiable marriage, because there is no such thing. He's, uh, he's talking about uh, when he uses adultery, as he does all the way through Hosha, he's talking about uh, our relationship with him. He is not mm-hmm. going to share us with false gods. It's his prerogative. And by the way, it's, it's not an order. You don't have to listen to him. You can have as many false gods as you want. You just can't have a relationship with the real God if you choose to have a relationship with the false God. Pretty simple. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's yes, the, the story is if you're unhappy with somebody, leave them. Go on with your life. Find somebody you can make happy and that uh, you're happy to be around and let the other person live their life. I was uh, 
separated, I guess now, five years ago. And uh, I had lots of reasons that I was really, really unhappy with uh, my ex and my relationship. And I was thrilled <clears throat> when uh, I was separated. And uh, I'm happier now than I've ever been any time in my life. But the reasons that I was upset with the, uh, that relationship was no business of, of anybody else's but uh, mine. And I didn't even think it was my children's business. I didn't share it with them. I didn't think it was appropriate. Right. My issues with her, and I stated them in the letter. And, you know, there was a year's period of time where I was tormented by uh, this person as I tried to separate from them. And I know it affected these programs and people that were listening saying, boy, he is really distracted. And I was. It was a very difficult uh, position. But it wasn't my position to to uh, tell somebody, if you don't hate who I hate, then I hate you. As a matter of fact, it was just easier to say, I bought my freedom. I'm free. I'm going to celebrate my freedom and live the rest of my life as, so, such that I'm happy. Um, and... You know, the interesting thing is that while you're preoccupied with the, with the difficulty of separation, which our society has made it very difficult with our laws, um, once it's over, it's just over. Thought or said a thing about my ex in years. I have no interest in bringing her down or hurting her or saying something nasty about her. None. God, I hope she's delighted that she found the happiest relationship in the world. I mean, why, why would you ruin your life by being smothered by a relationship that's been over five to seven years? So I, I just think it's, it's, a, it's a very poor life choice to do that and a worse life choice to try to bring others into it and even worse to try to discredit what we're doing here for Yahweh. Uh, and for the covenant family and for God's people to try to besmirch it because we're not playing along with your game. So those are my uh, my thoughts on those issues. And the last mm-hmm. issue we wanted to talk, uh, Kirk, you sent me an article on uh, the Ukraine. And, and my biggest issue with the Ukraine, I, I expressed it three weeks ago. So I'll just state mine real quickly, and you can say anything you want you to add to that. But my issue with the Ukraine, Ukraine is that um, – The United States has deliberately and knowingly lied to create a false impression that uh, we are the lovers of freedom. When we initiated this proxy war, we have funded this proxy war, and we've come within a blink of an eye of destroying our reserve currency status for empowering what's called now uh, BRICS as it it relates to it, uh, set inflation at uh, raging levels. Uh, destroyed uh, supply chains and uh, and food supplies uh, and fuel supplies around the world, and we put the world on the brink of nuclear war. And even Putin says, you know, we're we may have to uh, reassess our strategy, which has always been that uh, nuclear weapons for us would only be used uh, if we are first struck as a as a response to being struck, which America, by the way, would never do. And America is always had a preemptive strike uh, platform on nuclear bombs. I don't know if you know that, but America has never yes, been willing to go where Russia went, which is to say we will only uh, attack if attacked. And America says we will make that commitment. Um, well, Russia is saying, I think it's time 
that we reassess our position on nuclear weapons because of what the West has done in the Ukraine. So we have deliberately, starting with the Bush administration, then the Obama administration, and with great support by both parties, um, we have put ourselves in the world in a terrible position, and truth is just non-existent in, uh, in this regard. And I would like to say that the Ukrainians that we're presenting at, uh, as wonderful, loving, peaceful, d- democratic, uh, they're none of these things. They were, there's no country on earth that has historically been more anti-Semitic than the Ukraine. Uh, the Ukraine was more Nazified than was Nazi Germany. Uh, the Ukraine is actually the birthplace of Hasidic Judaism, which is the worst form of the religion in its long history. Disgusting. I mean, Hasidic Judaism, it rivals Mormonism and Scientology and Islam for prize of world's dumbest religions. And it's the birthplace of uh, Hasidic uh, Judaism. This is a place that has welched on every agreement it's ever made, uh, and particularly in the financial community, where the United States bribed the Ukrainians to allow the West to supply its deficits because they're so into graft, uh, when Russia was willing to do it. Uh, and that would have cost us between a billion and $2 billion a year. And now we're spending $100 billion a year. Destroying the, uh, literally destroying the country. It is one of the, the dumbest moves in the history of humankind. And when you, you know, look at the United States engaging in World War I based upon us trying to sink the Lusitania or the Spanish-American War as we sought to, uh, to sink the Maine or the Vietnam War when we lied about the Gulf of Tonkin incident, we've done okay, some, yeah. uh, some, uh, uh, unbelievably stupid things. When we uh, blamed uh, Iraq for uh, 9-11 when, when he was the most anti-fundamentalist uh, Islamic person probably on the planet uh, and hated al-Qaeda, but yet we justified invading Iraq because we blamed them for 9-11. I mean, it's just insane what we have done. But if you take all of those things, none of them compare to the insanity and the foolhearted stupidity of what we are doing relative to the Ukraine. And that I am convinced that the Ukraine is going to lead uh, to uh, world war and probably a nuclear exchange. Those are my mm-hmm. thoughts. And Kirk, what would you want to add to that? No, I read all the same stuff uh, that you've done and I was amazed how close he was uh, to um, uh, the same approach, same thing, and analyze it. and. Uh, and uh, yeah, this, people around the world know this is this could be nuclear war. This is, ain't no joke. I mean, this is the worst thing we've ever done, and we've done some terrible things. But now yes. we've come. You know, it's just yeah, America thing, trashing the world economy, yeah. trashing its own economy, uh, and yeah. uh, putting the world at the precipice of nuclear war because we want the Ukraine to be part of our axis of of, uh, of supporters. Uh, and in the process, mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're creating bricks. I mean, bricks is mm-hmm. a direct result of what we're doing here uh, because they know yeah. that we are manipulative. We want to be in control of everybody. And countries like Brazil said, no, 
we don't want you to control us. China says, no, we don't want you to control us. Russia says, no, we don't want you to control us. And India says, no, not us either. And that's yeah, right. And, and yeah. Saudi Arabia and the, uh, the OPEC nations are joining them. And it's just a matter of yeah. time when, when the nations that are, that are between the, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, Beltway Initiative of, uh, of uh, China, uh, mm-hmm. which is the, this international uh, commerce link, the biggest infrastructure project in the history of the world. And brick between the two, it's 95% of the world's population, and um, they're going to eat us for, for oh. dinner. It's just the way it is, and we will have deserved it. We will have set ourselves up as being untrustworthy, and we're just deluding ourselves to the point of, of, uh, of comedy, pretending that we're the peacemakers when we are the merchants of death. Yep. So it's a frightening position. Okay, I want to return now to Hosha. And listen, every fiber of my body says I would really love to share with you what I've uh, learned and and Daniel and what we've learned in Ezekiel. But we work for Yahweh, and because we work for Yahweh, we work for Yehudim. The Yehudim means beloved of Yah. It's been corrupted to mean Jew. Uh, and while Yahweh knows where they are and who they are, uh, there's this myth that Israelites are uh, are lost. Um, but we work for Yisrael, and we work for Yehudim. That's our mission. And mm-hmm. to do that puts us in the uh, in a unique position where we have to speak out against the single most egregious institution relative to uh, Jews in all history. And the most egregious institution against Jews was not Nazi Germany. It wasn't uh, Soviet Russia. It was not Imperial Rome, although they were horrendous. It was not the Greeks and what uh, they did during the, the period of the, uh, the Ptolemies and, and uh, post-Alexander. It wasn't what the Assyrians did to the Israelites hauling them into uh, to slavery. It wasn't what the Babylonians did to the remaining uh, Yaud and Yaudim, hauling them into slavery. Uh, it wasn't what the Philistines tried to do and the Fakistinians are trying to do today. It, um, it isn't what the Roman Catholic Church has attempted to do to degrade and demonize Jews for a better part of 2,000 years. These are all awful anti-Semitic institutions. And today, progressives are a horrible blight on humanity and an anti-Semitic uh, religion. Uh, the most caustic institution the institution that has done Jews more harm and separated them mm-hmm. from their God more than any other is Judaism. And so we have to speak out against Judaism. And the book of Hosha is devoted to a singular mission, exposing and condemning Judaism. And so it's for our target audience, uh, this mission is essential. So we're going to make our way through the book of Hosha because Jews need to know 
that there is an opportunity to know Yahweh, to be part of his covenant family, to uh, be reconciled in a relationship with him, to enjoy him as your father, to be guided by his Torah. But that opportunity is only afforded to those Jews who walk away from religion and politics. And if you're not willing to walk away from religion and politics, whether you're an American progressive or you are uh, the opposite in Israel, where they uh, were uh, of the non-religious, the right Likud party and the ultra-right parties dominate, and they form a government by pandering to the the Haredim, the ultra-Orthodox Jews. If you're in either one of those camps, any of those camps, you have a 0% chance of having a relationship with Yahweh. First condition of the covenant, walk away from the influence of Babel, Babylon, uh, your country and and your religion. If you're not willing to walk away from those things, to disassociate from them, you can't even begin to form a relationship with Yahweh. And in fact, you won't even say his name. And if you don't know his name, you don't know him. So it is essential for us to expose and condemn Judaism for there to be a, and I, I'm always searching for the right word because you know, the first thing you want to say, a meaningful number of Yehudim uh, waiting for Yah's return on Yom Kippurim in year 6000 Yah, October 2nd, 2033. So the reason I, I stumble on that by the way, it's because mm-hmm. the same thing I said earlier. Um, it's um, Yahweh is not into numbers. He's not trying to be popular. In fact, he wants to be unpopular. He doesn't want to save everybody. In fact, he wants to reconcile his relationship with very few. He would have been happy with just Adam, but he couldn't be happy with just Adam unless he gave Adam an alternative, which is why he created Yahweh. The two of them would have been just fine. He was happy with uh, Abraham and Sarah, and even happier with Abraham, Sarah, and Yishak. Heck, he was happy with Jacob, and Jacob's a tough person to be happy with. Yeah. Well, Abraham was a tough person to be happy with, in my view, too. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. I mean, Yahweh is absolutely in love with uh, Dode, and, uh, you know, Dode had his issues, too. By the way, I think there's somebody that's part of the covenant family that's promoting the idea that Dode had Yahweh's soul uh, and that Dode was the actual Passover lamb. And, and um, no, no, listen, no, no. you know, I, I don't, I actually no, encourage no, 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 no. covenant members to have alternative points of view, but I'm going to tell you my point of view on both of those two things. If Dode had Yahweh's personality, then, then Yahweh's uh, egocentric maniac. That would be saying that the person I love the most, the person I'm going to praise the most, the person I'm going to give every benefit to is myself. Yeah, it's yeah. me. How disgusting. Me, me. It renders the entire yeah. covenant family relationship moot, as opposed to him saying, I love this man so much, I'm going to adopt him as my son. I'm going to be his father. I want him to shepherd my people. I'm going to inspire him. I'm going to help him guide my people. All of that falls apart mm-hmm. if uh, he's uh, self-loving and it's his spirit uh, or soul. Kind of yeah. And then yeah. he becomes, rather than a, 
uh, becoming the sacrificial lamb and, and sacrificing himself for us. If it's his son that is being sacrificed, then he's destroying all of what it means to be a father. So personally, I, I, don't, uh, I, I don't agree. Um, but if, if um, you, you, you are convinced otherwise, then, then uh, you know, it's not a life and death uh, situation. It's, but uh, I, th- I think that the truth is, is quite different than, uh, than that. So we're going to continue with Hosha. We were uh, the last program. Uh, we were in the second chapter, uh, what is now called the 18th verse. I don't like using chapters and verses except for the fact it gives you an opportunity to follow along and know where we are. Um, the, uh, the Torah and the prophets were not written with uh, chapters. They were not written with verses. The place that they're broken is very often uh, awkward, but it does give a reader the opportunity to verify whether or not the translations I'm providing are accurate because they can bring up the, the same section. There are, are a host of online tools that you can use that will provide not only an interlinear, but will provide uh, the, uh, uh, the Hebrew term, one that uh, I think is actually quite good, except I think it's, it's way too dependent upon Strong's, is called uh, Q Bible. Um, and for the, uh, the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms, for an online source, it's decent. Uh, the, uh, the negative, of course, is that only it, it's all linked to Strong's, and, and uh, Strong's is way too linked to the King James Bible and makes way too many mistakes to, uh, to be a sole source. All right, so we're going to pick back up on uh, 218. It uh, reads, Then I will cut. I will establish through separation. It was written in the call perfect, which means literally, genuinely, but at a moment in time. So it's a not, this is not something I'm going to make available for a long period of time. This is important because he's uh, talking about the reunification with his people, reconciliation. That's going to occur at a very finite period of time in the days leading to the celebration of Yom Kippur, the day of reconciliation in uh, 6,000 Yah, uh, which is uh, October 2nd, 2033. So then I will cut. Uh, I will establish through separation, which means I'm not doing this to be popular. I'm not trying to, uh, to appeal to a wide group of people. Uh, uh, separation means you have to be separated from, distinct from, uh, the vast majority of people uh, on earth. The vast majority of people, overwhelming percentage, 90 some odd percent, uh, are either overtly religious or overtly uh, political. So this establishing through separation, karat, which means to cut, uh, designates this as, as God is doing this apart from those things that are popular. And he's only doing it, the perfect conjugation means this is a limited offer in time. For them, a bereth. A bereth is a family-oriented covenant relationship. Bereth as the yod, the, uh, which is uh, drawn as the uh, arm and hand of Yahweh reaching down and out to us with an open hand. Uh, it's uh, bereth, which is family and home, with the addition of Yahweh's hand, adding the Y to uh, bereth, um, 
I'm sorry, the uh, it's the uh, the um, yeah. uh, the roche that is uh, that is the added yeah. uh, uh, oh, letter in it, and the, the roche is uh, uh, is a person uh, their heads uh, so that they're observant, uh, they're thinking, they're listening. Uh, in oh, that yeah. in that day, in conjunction uh, with other living things, so Mchawa. So uh, the other living things is written here because when Yahweh returns on Yom Kippurim with Dode as the shepherd and king and Messiah in 2033, year 6,000 Yah, one of the things that he's doing, and it's an essential aspect of his return, is he is transforming all of the earth back to the conditions that were experienced in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, as we know, uh, there was a wide variety of life forms. In addition to the animals and the life forms in the Garden of Eden, there was no religion, there was no politics, there was no governance, there was nothing separating Adam and Chawa from Yahweh. And so that means he must get rid of all traces of religion and politics uh, and, uh, and oppressive human systems uh, and restore the conditions of animals and restore the environment and that's why the um, animals are listed here. The next thing is, he says, of the garden environs, because all of the earth is being transformed to the Garden of Eden. This is important because the story we're being told in the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms is that Yahweh created what he thought was a perfect environment for us to engage in a relationship with him. And that garden was Gan Eden, which means the Garden of Great Joy. And he kept other humans who were living at the time and uh, animals that were carnivores and uh, wanted to, to tear flesh and eat people alive out of the garden. That's why it had walls. That's why the cherubim were protecting it. And so what he is saying is that when, when Adam and Chawa uh, were beguiled into changing Yahweh's instructions, where they left things out and they added things to it and misrepresented and misquoted what Yahweh said, um, that the consequence of, uh, of that was they were expelled from the garden. They would not be perfect anymore. They would not have this perfect fellowship. Uh, and over the next 6,000 years, Yahweh has made it possible for us individually to return to the conditions uh, in the garden and upon his return, he's making it possible for everyone who accepts him to return to conditions found in the garden. And so if you read the story of what occurred in the garden of, uh, of Yahweh uh, walking with, uh, with us and with him celebrating other life forms together with us, then you'll like eternity with him. But also recognize that Adam was, was told that you know, if you want to make this relationship work and enjoy it, you're going to work the garden because work uh, adds value. It makes us far more complete individuals than we would be otherwise. It, it contributes something uh, to our character. Um, so the, this, the garden that we're going to live in for a thousand years on Earth is going to transform the entire Earth into a perfect uh, situation. We're going to have the Torah written inside of us. We know exactly what Yahweh is offering. We know him personally. It's going to be a wonderful time. 
and then the that garden experience is going to be expanded to the entire universe with uh, us having access to all of it and let me begin at the beginning again because there's just so much detail in this mm-hmm. that helps us understand Yahweh's plan from beginning to end because we 6,000 years ago uh, minus about 11 years now we were mm-hmm. in the garden with Yahweh we were we were booted out of the garden for corrupting and misappropriating his, his testimony, uh, which is the nature of Satan and religion. That's what he does best. That's the nature of Ezekiel, uh, by the way. Uh, and that 2,000 years thereafter, Yahweh created the means for us to return into a relationship with him through the covenant. And he gave Abraham five conditions that he needed to accept if he wanted to be part of Yahweh's covenant family, and even had a test at the end to verify that he understood uh, and had accepted those five conditions. And those five conditions are very straightforward. Uh, you, you need to reject uh, your country and your, your politics and your religion. Walk away from the family of man, if you will, from trusting and relying on them. That doesn't mean you go live as a nomad in the desert. What that means is that you don't rely on human institutions yeah. for for your salvation, for your well-being, for your uh, uh, which you choose to believe and trust, you choose the second condition, trust and rely on Yahweh. So instead of relying on your government for its economic support or your, your government for its military defense, on Yahweh. Trust him instead. Uh, the third, of course, is to walk to God and allow him to perfect us. Uh, and he perfects us on, uh, on matzah, which is where the yeast, this fungus of religion and politics, is expunged from our souls so that we are, are perfected and can live in his presence. It doesn't make us perfect people. Dode wasn't a perfect person. But in God's eyes, it does make uh, those that that he has de-yeasted appear perfect in his eyes. The uh, the fourth condition is to closely examine and carefully consider uh, these terms and conditions of the covenant so that you know exactly what Yahweh is offering and what he's expecting in return. The five benefits of oh, the fifth condition of the covenant, by the way, is I get excited over these things and sometimes the uh, the record skips the track. The fifth condition of the covenant is that as men we be circumcised uh, as a sign of the covenant and we circumcise our, our sons. Uh, this is our way of showing that, uh, that, that that part of the male anatomy that is responsible for conceiving children and, and creating a family is a, is a place that we, are, you know, we guys uh, uh, protect and care a lot about. That, uh, and it has profound implications in terms of, of family, which is the model for the covenant, that, uh, that uh, um, that part is exposed. Uh, so uh, circumcise your, uh, your sons on the eighth day, and if you're a man, be circumcised uh, as the sign of the covenant. Uh, the benefits are Pesach makes us eternal, Matzah makes us perfect, on Bakurim we're adopted into Yahweh's family, on Shabuah we are enriched and empowered. This gives us then the opportunity on Teruah to be effective messengers so that we can shout out a warning to those that are still immersed in politics and religion uh, to flee those things so that they can, uh, you who are listening, 
you can accept uh, the terms and conditions of the covenant and, uh, and join us to be part of Yahweh's family. Um, Kippurim, which is the, the, the sixth of the seventh Moed Mikre, has yet to be fulfilled. Uh, it is uh, the day of reconciliations. It is when Yahweh will return with, with Dode as Messiah and King. Dode is David. Uh, and uh, the relationship will be, at that point, perfected with his family, reconciled with his family. So it is a day to celebrate uh, being a Yahud, uh, being uh, a Yisraelite, uh, and coming to, to know and trust and rely and celebrate your relationship with Yahweh. This is followed five days later by uh, Sukkah, which is where we return to the garden and we literally camp out with our Heavenly Father for a thousand years uh, as a celebration of Sukkah, where at the end of that he's going to, um, to create a, a new heaven and earth with us as witnesses and participants uh, this time. Uh, sharing uh, in that whole process. So that is what's being offered to us. That is why in this passage when he says when he's going to uh, to cut for them a family-oriented covenant in that day, that day is the day of his return, uh, and it is conjunction with other living things and of the garden uh, uh, environs and in harmony with the winged creatures of the uh, the spiritual realm, even of the creatures that uh, move about on the uh, the earth. That is what we have to look forward to. It's a return to Eden. God's story is very uh, uh, explicit in the sense of, as I said, 6,000 years ago, minus 11 years, we were booted from the garden of correcting Yahweh's testimony. Yahweh then provided the counsel to Abraham that gave him five conditions for uh, reconciling that relationship uh, 2,000 years or 40 Obel thereafter, uh, which was year 4,000, yeah, 33 CE on the uh, Roman calendar, uh, Yahweh fulfilled the first four of those Moed Mikre, uh, Pesach, Matzah, Bakudim, and Shabuah, uh, to provide each of the benefits of the covenant. And then 2,000 years, 40 Obel from that time will be 2033 when he will return and fulfill Kippurim and Sukkah. That is his story. That is what's being told in, uh, in Hosha 2.18. It continues with, uh, with this. And so I will abolish then, uh, then destroy the bow, including the weapons which make life difficult, and the sword, including that which severs and separates, lacerates and devastates, along with war, hostility, and infighting from the earth, so that I can make it possible for them to relax confidently and securely. Uh, what was the largest uh, army in Eden? Chawa. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Probably. Probably. I'm glad you said that. Earl had some cops. No, no question about it. Uh, okay. No army in, uh, in the garden. There were wars being fought outside of the garden. You know, to the degree mm-hmm. that you could fight a real war back uh, back then. Um, I mean, it was a tribal exchange. Yeah, they could mm-hmm. travel maybe 100 miles one way or another, and, and uh, they could shoot their bows and arrows and throw their spears. Uh, uh, but yeah, that was going on outside. In the garden, no military, no war, no judicial system, no cops, no judges, uh, no uh, no government officials of any kind. 
certainly no priests, no religion, none of that stuff. And so what God is saying, I'm going to abolish and destroy the bow, the weapons of war. Uh, I'm going to destroy that which makes life difficult. I'm going to destroy the sword, uh, which severs and separates and lacerates, uh, ending war for all time. Now, that has not occurred up to this point. So we're talking about a day future. And the day of days, the single most important day to Yahweh is Yom Kippurim in year 6,000. Yeah. And it's because that's the day that his relationship with his people is reconciled. Uh, I, I think that there's going to be as few as 7,000 people that will be there on that day. And, you know, God gives us a lot of hints as to how many will be uh, reconciled. And 7,000 people on a planet of uh, 8 billion doesn't sound like much. But to Yahweh, that's a lot. Big deal. Yeah. That's, a, that's a lot. And so our effort for the past 21 years as is to make the means to be one of those 7,000 people uh, findable, knowable, understandable, actionable. Now, we're not trying to force this on you. You don't want to hear this message? That's fine. You prefer to be religious? That's your choice. You want to be political? Go right ahead. Don't care what you want to do. So long as you're not harming somebody else, I don't really care. Uh, But if you want to engage in a relationship with Iowa, it's our job to make certain that that path is well articulated and and well illuminated, uh, well explained, consistent, accurate. And so... If you go to yadayah.com, on the website yadayah.com, you will find some, probably 25 volumes now. They average about, oh, 650 pages a mm-hmm. piece, some 750 pages. These are large volumes. Uh, all 25 volumes, all, you'll see it on the bookshelf, yadayah.com. Yada means to know. Yah is the familial and, uh, and kind of loving, personal way of uh, referring to uh, Yahweh. You can actually go to yahwa.com as well, take you to the same place. Uh, Yahua is the correct pronunciation of Yahweh's name, although there are many, many places where he's uh, <laughs> referred to by Dode and others that knew him very well as Yah. Uh, so yadayah.com, and open any one of the books. They're presented there beautifully. Uh, David is our our uh, uh, webmaster, he has done a marvelous job of making sure you can read these books on your, your smartphone or on a tablet or on your computer. And they're there in their entirety. Uh, all you have to do is send Kirk a million dollars uh, per book and your uh, – uh, that was not right, is it? Uh, no, they're all there. They're all there for free. We don't take donations. Uh, we, don't, uh, we don't charge we – don't, we don't solicit information from you. We don't make you register. Uh, we uh, no. we uh, no, no won't even take your money if you were to throw it at us. Uh, none of that, and all, all the books are free in their entirety. There's no teasers, anything else. If you don't want to read online, uh, there's a funny thing is that uh, I can't print books for free, but we can. We did work out a deal with uh, Amazon so that they offer these books royalty-free, and so you can go <clears throat> to the Amazon.com site. 
you Google my name, uh, or not Google there, but go into the search bar, uh, Craig Wynn, or... Um, yeah, you know, right? Yeah. Uh-oh, I think we lost him. Really? Can you still hear me, Kirk? I can still hear you, B, yes. Oops. Yeah, I think that we lost him first time in a while. Mm-hmm. All right. Hope it's, I hope it's not bad weather no. down there. He didn't mention that. Yeah. No. Uh, All right. Well, I guess we should just keep reading till he comes back. Uh, certainly. Why don't you start off right at page uh, 69, where shortly there, certainly after being as a witness. You want to do that? Sure. Okay. Um, so he talked about the bows, and he said shortly. After being called as a witness on Terua trumpets in 2001, year 9968, yeah. I don't think that's right, 9968, yeah. No, I don't think it's 9968. No, it's not. It might be 1968, yeah. Yeah, 19, yeah. Yeah. I think it actually might be 5968, yeah. We're almost to 6,000. Yeah, we only got 6,000 so, years to play with. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I came to realize, or I should say Craig, this is his writing. Craig came mm-hmm. to realize and share a number of profoundly important and seldom considered insights into the big picture Yahweh was painting for us with his words. First, from the perspective of the architect and creator who was present at the time and initiated the Big Bang, the six days of universal genesis are equivalent to 14 billion years when viewed in reverse by humans from Earth. This fact is proven by the residual cosmic microwave background radiation from the Big Bang. It demonstrates that time flowed 10 to the 12th power times slower from God's perspective, making six 24-hour days and 14 billion years equivalent. Not only are we living within the sixth day, the seventh of Shabbat, represents the time alluded to here in Hosha. Commencing on the Shabbat of October 7, 2033, there will be a 1,000-year celebration of Sukkah, camping out on Eretz, which is Earth. During that time, we will live in harmony with our Creator and His creation. Second, God's plan for His people plays to the same cadence. For example, in the period before court confinement and the transition from energy to matter followed the Big Bang, there was no way to measure time. Similarly, the duration of Adam and Shawa's stay in Gan Eden cannot be quantified from their perspective. Yahweh's timeline commences with our epic 6,000-year sojourn out of Eden and back to the garden upon our expulsion for not listening. This occurred in year zero Yah. Third, the story of man's troubled relationship with God spans 6,000 years with the three most important events transpiring every 40 year belt, or 2,000 years. In year 2000, Yah, 1968 BCE, Yahweh confirmed the covenant with Abraham, providing the means to return to the garden and camp out with God. 40 year thereafter, in year 4,000, Yah, on Pesach, Matzah, Bekorum, and Shavuah in 33 CE. God fulfilled the first four Moed Mikri so that we could receive the benefits of his Barat. Therefore, with the passage of another 40 Yobel, 
we can date Yahweh's return to Yom Kippur, the day of reconciliation in year 6000 Yah. His arrival will occur at sunset, 6.22 p.m. in Jerusalem, October 2, 2033. Fourth, we can correlate the first two dates, year 0 and 2000 Yah, with the Roman Catholic adaptation at Kirk. Mm -hmm. Can you take over for just a moment? Sure. My apologies. Fourth, we can correlate the first two dates, year zero and 2000 Yah, with the Roman Catholic adoption of the Imperial Roman calendar in use today, using the genealogies presented in the Torah. Uh, In fact, it is why they exist. Then we are led to Passover, or more precisely, to four days before Pesach, when the Ayel, the Lamb, was to be brought into the home by Gabriel's revelation in Daniel and Babylon, using the stated starting date, rather, in 444 BCE, and the formula he provided, we know that Yosha entered Jerusalem on, or Jerusalem on March 30th, 33 CE, on the Julian calendar, to serve as the Passover lamb, initiating fulfillment of the first four Mikre. Four days later, or thereafter, during Passover, April the 3rd, 33 CE, on the Julian calendar, the Gregorian uh, calendar was imposed uh, in 1582 CE to keep Easter from migrating away from the Passover. And God made it possible for us to become like Adam in the garden, perfect and immortal. With this date having been provided by Gabriel, all that is required of us is to add 40 Yobel, or 2,000 years, to transition from year 4,000 Yaw in 33 CE to the year 6,000 Yaw, in 2033, with the rule fulfilled both in this and this writing, and with the gleaning of the covenant on the first and on the seventh month between 2027 and 2029, the next Moed Mikre, to be so honored are most important. The two the Yahweh has been addressing through Hosha is Kippurim and Sukkah in the year 6000 Yah. Fifth, God's historic portrait of his relationship with humankind concludes where it began in Gan Eden. We are returning to the Garden of Joy. We will converse with the animals, fly with the birds, that's pretty cool, and live in peace. (laughs) (laughs) This is all part of the first adaptation of the covenant, a time in which participants will have all chosen to be part of Yah's eternal family. With this known, Yahweh confirms that he is to become engaged to Yisrael, his betrothal, and replete with vows. I mean, to have Yah engaged with us on a day-to-day basis, wow. And yeah. I, now, you want you want to continue? You, got your, you go ahead and start there. I just got back here, so you have to tell me where you're at. I have a little clue over here. And you, I so. will betroth you, <laughs> yes. It's in the big print on page 71 for those that are following along with us. And I will be betrothed unto you, you unto me, forever. Olam is one of my favorite words. Forever is forever is forever. And uh, I will become engaged for you to approach me in an honest, correct, rightful, and upright manner. Through the exercise of good judgment by making the most informed and rational decisions regarding the means to resolve disputes, which is mishpat. And with unfailing kindness, genuine mercy, unrelenting relenting favor, and loyal love, she said, in addition to compassion, 
Then I will betroth unto me, then I will I will betroth you unto me, engaging with you, so that you can approach me in a steadfast and trustworthy manner. And you shall yada Yahweh, knowing knowledge Yahweh. You know, um, last night when I was uh, doing a little bit of study, I, I recognize I, was, I like to take it in literary and do it parallel with uh, on the page with this, with what we're studying so that I can look up the words rather quickly. And, uh, boy, these are just, this verse has more, has some of the most favorite words uh, ever. And, uh, yeah, and so Luna I did a little, is a really good one. Yeah, so we had like, uh, um, <clears throat> let me see if I can find it here rather quickly. Okay. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I really like the last two at the end. They're uh, yada yawa. Who would have thought yeah. that uh, after <laughs> after choosing that as the name you for the, uh, the, first, the first book <laughs> 20 years ago, that you would find that uh, it wasn't original at all. That was uh, Yahweh saying that the whole thing that I'm looking forward to when uh, we are family again, we're reunited, is that uh, you will yada Yahweh. Which means you will know, you will acknowledge, you'll be familiar with Yahweh. Y'all think uh, uh, that's pretty good. I'll let you take back over. Yeah, the word that precedes that is uh, is Amuna, and Amuna yeah. is also, I think, Dave, you were going to say, what a wonderful term. Amuna is, is. Uh, is to Yahweh what faith is to religion. Yes. With yes. faith, uh, because you cannot know, because religions are all untrue, so they cannot, you cannot know that which is untrue. Uh, so uh, with religion, you have to believe. With Yahweh... Right. He doesn't want you to believe that he exists. He doesn't want you to to put faith in him. He wants you to amuna, to to know, to rely uh, in uh, in the truth, to be dependable in a way that is supportive, to uh, to be upholding, to be verifiable. It's from Amon, which is to be supportive and upheld. So mm-hmm. it is Yahweh that's saying, then I will betroth you to me, engaging with you, so that you can approach me in a steadfast and trustworthy manner. So while Yahweh is trustworthy, what he's saying here is if we're going to be family, if you want to be my kids, then shouldn't you exhibit the same fundamental characteristic? Right. Shouldn't mm-hmm. you also be trustworthy and steadfast yes. and dependable? It's, uh, it's it yeah. right back to the beginning when you're doing the, the book of Ezekiel and you find that Ezekiel is, is absolute rubbish, but yet it's found in the middle of, uh, of venerated prophets and the middle of a, a book published worldwide as the Bible. And so are you going to be steadfast and trustworthy and call it out as a sham or are you uh, are not? And God's looking for us to be like him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we can't be as good as he is at it, but we can sure try. Yeah. You can adapt (laughs) yourself to his his perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's the word before uh, yada, yada, yada. 
The next one before that is uh, aras. Aras means to betroth, to engage, to approach. Mm. Well, we're we're talking about being betrothed to and engaging Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Right. And the what Yahweh is saying is, listen, Yisrael has acted like a whore and has gone off chasing after all of these foreign uh, foreign gods. You've been like a prostitute. You've cheated on the relationship, and therefore I've had to separate myself uh, from you. So what I'm telling you is that a day will come when we're going to be re-engaged. We're going to be uh, betrothed again. We're going to engage in a relationship again. Right. And that relationship is of... of Men and women coming together in love, uh, I, I, father, mother, uh, son, daughter. This is a family kind of thing. You betroth yourself to someone that you love and want to, uh, to spend quality time with conceiving and raising and nurturing a family. And that's the approach that Yahweh is offering to us and how he is going to approach us on the day of reconciliations. Right. Particularly his people. And the, what's the verb right before it? Rakam. Yeah, that's it means a, uh, compassion. Oh, compassion, yeah. Yeah. affection, uh, mercy, um, mm-hmm. genuine, well, is the uh, heartfelt between Rakam, which, yeah, help, heartfelt uh, affection. And compassion, and right before that is chesed. Chesed is kind of wonderful. That these are two different verbs for uh, for uh, conveying very and, and nouns too. That they're they're verbal nouns. They uh, they have both uh, characteristics. But chesed is unrelenting favor, loyal love, unfailing mm-hmm. kindness, genuine mercy. When you're talking about the Creator God of the universe, those are. That's the way I'd like to be received. I, mean, yes, I, I want uh, unrelenting favor. I don't earn. I haven't earned anything. I, I'd like God to love me. I'd like God to be kind right. to me. I'd like to be treated mercifully. Those are all very appealing concepts. And uh, and the thing that He is asking for us is that we be sadak and we uh, apply mishpat. Yes. Sadek is a preceding, those are the preceding two words. We're just going backwards in the list. To mm-hmm. uh, mishvat is to exercise good judgment. Mishvat is, uh, is a compound of my, which means to consider the implications of, and shafat yeah. means uh, yeah. deciding and judging, using evidence and reason to make a quality decision. So the mishvat yeah. is you're thinking about, considering the implications of, making good quality informed decisions. About what? Sadak. Sadak is is being right, being honest, being correct. Uh, That's the thing that is so wonderful about the the Torah and prophets. We talked about Dode at the beginning of the show. Dode is uh, uh, is a flawed individual, but no one was more beloved by God. God constantly said that Dode was Sadak. Yes, he was right. His, it never says Dode was good. No, he says he was Correct. right. Yeah. And so, 
Dode is his favorite person in the history of humanity. I don't know how many uh, tens of billions of people have come this way, but many, many tens of billions. And of those people, God's favorite is Dode, David, far and away. And uh, God says that that there are lots of things that that cause God to care about this man more than other, any other. But one of them was he was right. And the more we study Dode and we find out what his characteristics were, what his strengths and weaknesses were, the more we emulate his strengths, the more we will appeal to Yahweh. And it's good to appeal to God. We want God to like us. Absolutely. So, so the way to, to, to garner favor with God is not only to be right, to be correct about understanding who he is, what he's offering, what he expects in return, uh, but also to exercise good judgment about these things. Don't come to him in faith. Come to him on a basis of knowing, of knowledge. God proved his existence. He proved that his name is Yahweh. He proved that he exists. He proved that he created the universe, and he has proved reliable on everything he has promised. Uh, he even proved that he inspired these books that we are studying. Right. And he did so by prophecy, which is presenting the past, the present, and the future accurately without making a single mistake ever. Um, and so we are in a position to aras atah, Yahweh, to engage with him, to approach him, so long as we're honest and correct about him, we're being judgmental and making quality decisions, uh, then he is going to respond with chesed and rakam, unfailing kindness, genuine mercy, unrelenting favor, loyal love, uh, total compassion. And then we will be able to approach him, engaging with him, but he's expecting that we be genuine. That's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why we don't dumb this thing down or shorten it. Because if I gave somebody just the easy answers, this is how you, uh, you become part of the covenant and become part of God's family and you use the stones, but you don't know anything else, how are you going to be trustworthy? Yeah. Now, you don't a relationship make you don't worth the I don't care, even if it's with God. A relationship yeah. is worthless unless both parties are contributing. Unless both parties contribute and both parties benefit, it isn't worth anything. So if we can't please Yahweh, we're a drag on the, on the system. If we can't contribute something to his family, we're a net liability. And it isn't all that hard. You say, you know, oh, but God's big, powerful, and smart, and you know, okay, that's all true. But he chose very to do everything through people. And when you look at who he's worked with and who he's happy to work with, you know, it, it's not that hard to please him. But you've got to have the want to. You've got to try. Yeah. You've got to approach this such that you, you strive to be right. You think it through. You appreciate what he's offering. And then you act in a trustworthy manner. I mean, this is the whole story, and it ends with, and oh, by the way, if that all happens, you yada yawa. Is that where you get your uh, series name from, yada yawa? Was that, was that your original inspiration? Well, no, no. I, uh, I wish no. I had been uh, that smart. And it's funny that 
that the name Yadayawa I applied to my uh, first series of translations, uh, and my first series of translations were Hosha, and we're reading this in Hosha uh, 2.20. So you would think that if you're just yeah. doing this, that you'd say, hey, there, there's the name. I really like that name. That's Yahweh's yeah. uh, uh, conclusion of what it's going to be like when all of this comes back into place and he has reconciled his relationship with his people and they are uh, one happy family. I'll name the book Yada Yawa. No, I, I wish I, 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 I should have been that smart, but no, I, I, um, I realized in doing this that there was nothing more important than Yahweh's name. He gave us his name 7,000 mm-hmm. times. He, he tells us the only unforgivable sin is to negate the value of his name. Uh, he told us in his Torah how to pronounce his name, uh, and he uh, he condemns his people for uh, renouncing his name. And yada then became my uh, favorite verb because mm-hmm. I had this thirst to know more about Yahweh, right. to acknowledge, to understand. Uh, and so yada being the verb, Yahweh being the object of our of our search. Uh, it just seemed to be the the best possible name for this uh, series uh, twenty Perfect. some odd years ago, and uh, and but I will tell you it is um, seeing it written like this at the yeah. conclusion of what is a an astounding uh, two uh, sentences. Uh, yeah. It is very uh, gratifying. Yeah. yeah, of course. That's a perfect Shouldn't choice. Be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Now, how, how, y'all, how, how does someone read these characteristics of y'all, uh, resolving disputes, you know, being judgmental based on, on the Torah guidance? You've got loving favor, you've got favor, loving kindness, compassion, steadfast. Right. He wants you to be trustworthy like he is and so forth. How in the hell can they come up with Lord and make you believe it? <laughs> Yeah, well, Lord and Master, that just that for, just for those who are in religion, they their Lord is the one that is the opposite. He's the guy that inspired Ezekiel, who wants to kill fourteen thirds of Jews, and make certain that he can hunt them down and torment them and personally torture them. Uh, his favorite he, is Jew stew, where he uh, he puts them in a kettle and boils oh them to uh, to death. Uh, and so it is uh, it is reprehensible. Uh, that uh, someone would believe that that is God. Now, be careful here, though. God's not saying he loves everybody. He's not saying his compassion and his love is for everybody. He said that his compassion and his mercy and his love and his kindness is for those who are right about him and who have thought it through and have made a sound decision based upon the evidence that he has provided and that respond in a, in a steadfast, dependable, and trustworthy manner to this. It is going back to Abraham. He says these are the you know, five conditions of the covenant. And then at the end, to make certain that Abraham really understood them, he tested him. Mm-hmm. Now, for those who are listening, it is an open book test. And it's for darn sure we have provided every possible answer. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and yada, yada. Um, and so I would encourage you to read the book so that, you know where to turn um, when it's uh, it's your turn. Um, but it, it is that God is exceedingly disappointed in his people. And he has 
essentially allowed them to destroy themselves. It's been a, a very long intermission. The intermission began really uh, very early in, uh, in Solomon's reign when Solomon uh, decided that it would be uh, fun to marry a bunch of uh, religious whores and then bring in their gods to keep them happy. Uh, that did not work out well. Solomon is the, is the single best example of why you don't want more than one wife if you're a guy. It was a disaster. So, um, uh, and he squandered all of that intelligence because he got way too enamored with, uh, with wealth and with wives and, and, uh, and then became religious. So Yehudim and Yisraelites have been in a time out from Yahweh, estranged from Yahweh, for better part of uh, 3,000 years, really since, uh, uh, since the end of, uh, of Dode's uh, reign as their shepherd, Messiah, and king. Um, and that's all coming to a close where if you're a rabbinic Jew, you're, it's, it's toast. Goodbye. God is going to, he has to eliminate you to return to the conditions of Eden and for his family to live in peace and to be happy. If you are mm-hmm. political, the same thing is true. So he's not trying, he's not offering these things to everyone. He's offering these things to those who know him and genuinely want to be with him, who have chosen to trust and rely upon him, and who are right about him. The way it should be. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to be part of it, God's advice is yada yada. Mm-hmm. And between, you know, what uh, my wife did in terms of rebranding all of these books, what uh, D you've done in terms of of making this available through the the uh, the town square of our age, which is social media, <laughs> what you know Jackie and the edit team have done in terms of publishing uh, uh, these books, uh, uh, David uh, again on the uh, on the website. Uh, Yoel, my good friend, before him on the uh, the the website, Kirk, and and helping us uh, mm-hmm. in these uh, programs. There are lots of people who have made a tremendous contribution. Uh, Steve is probably listening to us uh, as well, uh, and uh, yep. and he has done spectacular work in terms of posting these shows. And it's difficult to do because there are so many people who want our voice uh, silenced. Um, and yeah. so, I. Uh, we have all been committed to a singular um, goal, and that is we want as, as many people who are interested in knowing Yahweh and to uh, um, enjoy a relationship with him to, in fact, Yada Yahweh. I, uh, I found uh, Mike has uh, written their uh, What is the Juice Do uh, verse that I'm talking about. And, uh, D, I sent you... Um, Chapters one, two, and three, I think, of uh, of Ezekiel. I told you chapter four had been written but not edited, um, mm-hmm. and I think I would wait in terms of distributing them until the edit team um, uh, edits uh, or uh, former. We have a wonderful group of, of men and women who do fact checking and uh, and editing of because uh, I, I try to write fairly quickly and and. Um, uh, they uh, they help clean up my uh, my messes, uh, and sometimes uh, correct me if I've uh, if somebody was somebody's brother as opposed to uncle, um, and so it's very helpful yeah. to uh, to have that. 
but I want chapter four to be edited for them uh, by them before we uh, we send it out. But I don't see any harm in um, in distributing those four. Uh, uh, Ezekiel has to come with a warning. I, I do write it in the first paragraph of the uh, of the first volume, uh, of which is volume ten now of Yada Yahweh, which said this is not for young children. It's it's very graphic. What uh, uh, the Lord is uh, is Satan and uh, and Ezekiel. He is very demonic. He is deadly. He's merciless. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has it in for Jews and is constantly listing the ways that he's going to torment and kill them. Uh, yeah. And so it is not for not for young readers, and it's not for somebody to say, this is the first thing that they're going to read in the covenant. You really need to start in an introduction to God and then uh, begin in the Yada Yawa series and, and uh, make your way up to yeah. this point then to start there. But we have lots of we have lots of very mature covenant members who listen to this program and who read these books, who are curious as to how I could come down this harshly on a book that, uh, you know, everybody has been told was inspired by God. Um, and when I make a statement like Jews do, which is what he's saying, he wants to put every Jew in a pot and boil them alive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's disgusting. And, uh, and I... Um, I guess uh, you'd have to understand, uh, or at least uh, have some accommodation for, that when Yahweh's witnesses are put in a situation where we are surrounded by satanic rubbish, we become uh, uh, sardonic. We become sarcastic. Uh, we are mm-hmm. pejorative, and we seek to make fun of uh, the, this idiocy because otherwise it's so depressing. So you'll read it, and you're going to see that uh, I pop an attitude, and I'm I am sarcastic <laughs> as I can possibly be. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm trying to hone my inner Elia. Uh, you know, I, it's uh, so if you read it. And, uh, and you don't like somebody that is sarcastic, well, then you're going to hate my tone. But uh, I, uh, I've read Elia. I know who Yahweh likes to put up against um, the advocates of uh, satanic uh, dribble. And right. um, uh, I, the tone that I'm taking is very consistent to what you find in Elia. Yep. Um, and as I say, if you don't like that, then um, I guess you can uh, write your own book on uh, on Ezekiel, or just don't read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever you yeah. want to do. Uh, but It'll work. <laughs> uh, I, I can tell you, yeah, it seems pleased. So uh, I'm going to uh, continue, and I'm not getting any pushback from the editors of, boy, you better tone this down. You're going to make a lot of people mad. Um, I, I sense a lot of support by those who have read the uh, these opening chapters in it. But anyway, this is the antithesis of that. This is the uh, the God that says, if you're willing to get to know me as I am, um, and uh, accept what I'm uh, I'm asking, uh, then I'm going to shower these blessings upon you, and we're going to engage in a genuine relationship, and you're going to know me. I'm going to know you. You're going to know me. We're going to be in this marvelous relationship together. Right. Um, uh, Kirk, you've lived probably in D and for uh, at least 10 of the 20 15, years I've been doing yeah. this. Mm-hmm. You're 15 in your case, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and it's never never boring, never dull, never anything other than marvelous. It's just it's exciting to go go through it every time. I I, I tried to get through yeah. a little bit of Ezekiel in between. I try to keep current more because I like to look up the things and say, yeah, that's what he says. <laughs> So anybody ask, yeah, well, I can prove it. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, but Ezekiel um, sounds like uh, Muhammad. A little excerpt oh, there, yeah. my gosh. Well, actually, this is disgusting. Uh, the Catholic Church when I have come to, I, I've uh, I have removed from the final edition that uh, that is is now uh, Jackie has uh, has performed the final edits, but uh, we've removed all quotation marks. You know, we don't. I don't put a quotation mark before the uh, the drivel. Uh, I write it in bold, but I don't put a quotation mark before it. And internal quotation marks where it says, uh, um, uh, "My Lord uh, Yahweh uh, uh, said to me," and then you'd put a quote normally, and then you end the quote where the Lord is finished speaking. We've even removed those because we've come to the conclusion. I've come to the conclusion that there is a single mm-hmm. voice in, uh, in Ezekiel and that the uh, this, this alleged conversation between his Lord and Ezekiel are all uh, falsified to create this, uh, uh, this myth that uh, Satan is Yahweh. And so it's a singular voice, and we should not honor it with uh, quotation marks uh, beginning and ending a speaker. It, they're just one speaker in this, uh, in this thing. Um, so it, it's different than anything you have ever read from me. You get a little sense of it. And uh, if you, for those who have read um, Prophet of Doom, uh, there's some funny sections in Prophet of Doom. Uh, there's some uh, uh, funny sections in, uh, in Questioning Paul. Um, and there are a lot of funny sections, I think, anyway. I'm, I, I think the term yeah, phrase is, is, is entertaining. And I think it's the only way to handle really dark material. Is to yeah. is to do what, what Eliad did, you know, when when uh, the uh, the prophets of Baal couldn't get their god to uh, do anything, even at high noon when the he should have been the brightest. He says, "We'll wait. I understand your god's in the bathroom. Uh, let him finish his, uh, his bathroom duty." Uh, and I know, mm-hmm. you know, he's older, so he may want to take a nap afterwards. We're patient. Give you all the time you need. Yeah, yeah and then he killed the prophets of the, of the Lord yeah. after that. Yeah. I mean, this is deadly serious uh, business. And if you're one of those who believes that the Lord is God, uh, then uh, you're going to receive the same fate they got. Yep. And by the way, it's actually not a punishment. Nope. No, God's in a very unique position where he created the planet that we live on and the entire universe that it resides in and every life form in it, including your soul. And if he said that, uh, you know, I gave you this opportunity, you bungled it, and uh, I want to go on with my family, and you're toxic in this, uh, in this environment, so I'm just going to foreclose on your soul. You, you, you got a gift, you bungled it, goodbye. Right. That's it. No punishment, no, no nothing. You're just done. Um, and that's what's going to happen, with exception of those who are the purveyors of religion. Uh, they're going to have uh, a uh, recompense. There will be a uh, uh, responsibility that will have to be shouldered by those who have deliberately misled others. Uh, you know, I can tell you that when I warned this individual 
that they really need to back away and stop hounding uh, covenant members and trying to uh, to harass them and uh, and uh, and uh, besmirch this effort that we are uh, involved in have been for 21 years to reach Yehudim. That you've got to be really careful um, because if you're seen uh, by Yahweh or by his witnesses as uh, as discrediting God or his people. Um, then it's no longer just the elimination of your soul. Then there's a, a penalty uh, that goes along with that, and you don't want to go there. It's, it's a really bad life choice. So the good life choice is accepting the terms and conditions of the, of the covenant and being responsible once you have. That's the best life choice. Uh, the neutral life choice, which is no penalty and, uh, and no uh, reward, is uh, you don't know God, he doesn't know you, you chose to be religious, you chose to be political, but you didn't go out of your way to discredit Yahweh or his people or his work, and then, you know, you, your soul just evaporates and it's all over. No penalty, no reward. But if you are among those like rabbis, like priests, like imams, uh, particularly like the Pauls and Mohammeds of the world, the Akibas, the Mamamides, the Hadrians, the Hitlers, then your soul is going to be uh, uh, incarcerated in, in Sheol, going to be right. there forever. That's not a good thing. So don't do that. And I can tell you that the examples with Yahweh are, are consistent. If you're right with him, he will do right with you. And all of the benefits we've just read will, will be lavished upon you beyond your wildest uh, uh, expectations and dreams. If you are neutral and you don't know him, he doesn't know you, your, your soul is going to cease to exist. But if you're like the prophets of Baal and are, are actively leading Yahweh's people astray, uh, death is the uh, is consequence. Your yeah. yeah, that's just the mm-hmm. consequence. That's not the penalty. And uh, I, I can assure you that Elia is not going to be forgiven. And I think that Elia is going to be given the responsibility of uh, judging the souls of Jews, with a couple exceptions. Uh, I think the other fellow is going to get the opportunity to judge the likes of, of a couple of Jews Paul. that uh, started a, a, uh, some really nasty religions like Paul and Muhammad. Mm-hmm. But um, I wouldn't recommend uh, investing what I had to invest to earn that opportunity. Um, it's a lot. Uh, but um, I think I've earned it, and, uh, and uh, it's, uh, based upon what I've read, it's going to, uh, it's going to occur. But I think the, the most important judgments will be made by, uh, by Elia. And it's, it goes right back to this same thing that we've talked about in the past. God does not work alone. He works through people. You know, the ruler of, the magistrate of, the governor, the shepherd, the messiah, the king, the counselor of eternity is Dode. Could Yahweh do it independently? Yes and no. He has the power to, the ability to, but it's not in his nature. We won't. Yep. Yeah. Indeed. So as a, uh, as a result, he's going to uh, empower those of us who have been trustworthy and acted in a steadfast manner, uh, who have made good decisions and are right about him, 
Um, he's going to em- empower us to do the things he wants done, um, and it'll be our privilege to uh, to honor his request. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm sorry for being uh, cut off. The blog would not allow me to uh, uh, get back in, but uh, fortunately they uh, they accepted my call after my, my the, actually the fifth time that I called. They were kind enough to let me back in. Thank you guys for filling in in the meantime. And we look forward to uh, this time uh, next week. Uh, we will uh, we'll begin again with a review of uh, of Hosha 220. Good yep, deal. we didn't we didn't make it very far, did we? Well, we we, we <laughs> said a lot of good stuff, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. this was good. Uh, yeah. My favorite is it. when uh, yeah when you can explain how much richness there is in a single statement. Yes, sir. And there is a lot of depth and richness that to what Yawa is saying and how it applies to us and um, how we capitalize on it and why we know these things to be true. So, Shalom. Uh, happy Shabbat. I uh, look forward to being with you all next week, and uh, and maybe uh, blog uh, talk radio will be more um, supportive of, of our effort and not to cut me off out here in the uh, in the uh, uh, faraway land the of the uh, Virgin Islands. Okay. All right. Shabbat night, Shalom, y'all. Good night. Shabbat Shalom, guys. Bye bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. And my dad. And my dad, Mom. And my dad. I love my dad. I answered. No. I love this. Yeah, what you said last night with Daddy. And Mommy's turn. He can't go. He was part, you know why I guess? Because I felt my knees were both really sore last night. Mm-hmm. And he decided the best place for him to sleep was between my legs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when your knees really hurt, you have to gotta, move gotta move them. And I couldn't move them because of where he uh, he was. But it was so cute, cuddling the whole time. <laughs> he was really sweet last night. You were a good guy, weren't you? I was. I was my dad's cuddle bunny. Yeah, he was such an asshole running across the neighbor's yard looking at me like. <laughs> 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 you a little deviant. Yeah, but mom, that other one's going to be a But what happened this morning was really sick. Yeah, oh, I know Him right. running under the car yeah. and him running in front of a car, like, he just mm-hmm. doesn't have to do anything. Look who came out here. Well, hi, Shiloh. You want to give her to me since she was... Persona and Bitch today? Yeah. Sure, you can take her. Asher, can we um, take her and leave? Go with her? Jacuzzi's hot. I'm um, done. I've been working for you. Cooled, then uh, heated a bit. I don't know how much, what temperature is up to, but it has been heated a bit. That on my feet. I didn't even drink my coffee. Great then. Okay. I want to come back in. I'm stuffed up now. So good. Yeah, you're stuffed up. Yeah. Thank you, Mom. I need to eat. I'm going to take my wookie. Oh, he's the cuddle buddy right now. I really like it. We'll get up and have a lovely day tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll take this one for a quick sabbatical. 
Mm-hmm. I might jump quickly in the pool and in the hot tub. Okay. And then uh, off to bed. Mm-hmm. If you wake up in the middle of the night, you want to <laughs> play around. I'm wearing your new uh, booby necklace. Or not wear it. Go and do a tinkle, or no? Can you go to a tinkle? You can do a tinkle. Okay, no tinkle? Okay. Let's go in the house. There we go. Shiloh. Shiloh, Shiloh. Oh, What's it right here? That's okay.
Reverend Kim. I've opened the door. 